This radio program is PG-13. Parents strongly caution some material may be inappropriate for children under the age of 13. Set me free of the chains holding me. Is anybody out there hearing me? Set me free. Jesus' mission was to comfort those who mourn, bind up the brokenhearted, Proclaim liberty to captives and open prison doors for those who are bound. For those who want more than status quo Christianity has to offer, Blazing Grace Radio begins now. And here is your host, Mike Janung. Hey, Mike Janung here, and welcome back to Blazing Grace Radio. And last week, you heard Julie T. from Iowa share her story, and it was a powerful testimony to to healing and she and her husband went through a long period of time where there was a lot of pain and struggle and um, they persevered and after 44 years of marriage they're growing and they're healing and Julie's with me again today and welcome back Julie. Thank you Mike I'm so glad to be here. (laughs) So I'm going to start off with um, just kind of an open discussion on some issues so I'm going to hit you with the question. Okay. (laughs) Last night, we went out to dinner with Julie and John, her husband, and you told me a story of a church you visited where once a year, the pastor talks about sexual issues, and then you heard a sermon, a message he gave, where in the middle of that sermon, he told the congregation, just stop doing it. Tell me what you feel about that. What what do you think should... Was like, is that enough, or what more do we need? Oh, man. As soon as I heard him say that, um, I remembered something you had told us earlier, you know, that that's oftentimes the response. Oh, just stop it. Just, just stop doing that, you know? Yeah, right. My response to that was immediate. It was like, but if they could, they would. If they could, st- you know, if my husband could stop this, he would. He didn't want to keep hurting me over and over and over again. It's, it takes more than just telling someone to stop it. It's an addiction. It's like telling an alcoholic or a drug addict, just stop it. Just stop what you're doing. You know, it's no big deal. You know, you can, you can handle this. And that's such a lie from the pit of hell. This is a stronghold. This is the enemy's favorite playground is this area of sex addiction. We live in such a sexualized society that it's shocking. And we are all, I I remember just feeling sort of like not even being shocked anymore about some of the things I saw on TV. We just kind of drink it in, thinking, yep, this is okay, this is normal. This is okay to um, have sex all over the internet, all over TV. And we become frogs in boiling pots, literally. You know, if you put a frog in a pan of water, he if you turn up the heat, he won't hop out. And that's how I feel that, you know, I was, the society has been. We've just accepted this as a norm that um, we live in this sexualized society. And now that I'm on the other side of that, and I feel like I've been cleansed from some of that. And being personally violated by the sexual industry, because that's what it is. It's a $13 billion industry, the last I heard. 
$13 billion in pornography. And it is a progressive addiction, just like any addiction is. And it is one that has invaded all of society, even in the church. I've read, and I think you've said it too, that three quarters of the men in the church are dealing with this. Mm-hmm. Because how easy it is it? You pull up your phone, you pull up all these sites, and you nobody knows. And instead of having, you know, when I was a kid, you had to go to the corner shop where they sold pornography behind the paper. And it wasn't accessible unless, you know, somebody bought it. And of course, it becomes accessible because somebody buys it. Nowadays, you sit in your home. And so talk about a trap. And it is a trap. And you just can't just stop it. It just, that isn't how it works. So what do you think is going on that that church would only talk about sexual issues once a year. I mean, what you just told me is what I've been telling everyone for years, that this is a massive problem bigger than COVID. It's been around for decades, and it's not going to get better. And so what is going on that um, in this modern-day church that this thing gets shoved under the rug? Even today, when you can't even go to the grocery store without getting exposed to magazine covers of women that are you know, mostly naked. Yeah, that's a really good question, because um, this church in particular is one that specializes in being healing for the broken, and um, it's a great church. It's got a lot of good things going for it, but for some reason, this subject is held under wraps. And I think there's this idea that parents don't want their children exposed to this stuff. So we don't want to talk about it in Sunday service. We don't want to deal with it. Um, Even to the point of um, they had in this, you know, like I said, John went through a Celebrate Recovery program and he would go and they, they called it sexual integrity, I think. And he would go in and sometimes even churches, the one class he went to, they would have them go in the back door. And so what? Yeah. So that tells me it's shame. There's this stigma, right? There's this shame attached to sexuality. And I know that didn't come from God. Shame doesn't come from him. But so everybody's walking around in shame. Nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to deal with it. So it is hiding in the wrinkles of society. So I'm not quite sure why this pastor in particular, um, he's pretty confrontational usually. Um, but I don't think sometimes people know what to do. And I think that we've all been anesthetized by all of it, you know, just to not talk about this stuff, the shame, the stigma, the embarrassment. Um, I feel like it's kind of a tool of Satan to keep us shame-based and not talk about it. From my own perspective, what I... What I believe I see is that there's some kind of spiritual stronghold at the top of church leadership that's a grip there. Whatever the voices is, whatever the words is, we do not talk about this for whatever reason. There's there's a spiritual battle that is very intense at the top. Because otherwise, when, why would you not when you can't even read this you know, Song of Solomon without going through explicit descriptions of body parts, including women's breasts and... You know, how could you even justify not going there, right? 
is so true. That is so true. There's this idea, too, um, which I touched on a minute ago, that we want to protect the kids from this. And I am shocked at how naive we parents can be to what our kids are being exposed to. When the average age is 11 and kids as young as 6 and even younger are being exposed, and nowadays if you don't watch them like hawks and not let them go to friends' houses, there's a good chance that they're being exposed to this through other kids, through whatever. It is out there and it is everywhere. We're living in a cesspool of pornography. And so some of those ideas that say we shouldn't talk about this, we want to protect the kids' innocence. Well, unless you're keeping them in a locked dungeon, their innocence isn't, hasn't been protected. So why not expose the darkness? We need to expose it so that it can be dealt with and remove the stigma of talking about sexuality. Because like you said, it's all throughout the Bible. It's, it's a huge part of our life, right? Mm-hmm. And God, I believe firmly, God wants to bring purity and he wants to bring back the true intention of sexuality because it's a powerful tool. It bonds people, a husband and a wife, in a way that no other tool can. And it's so important for society to keep that energy in the proper channels. And that's where my heart is, is let's talk about it. Let's expose the darkness. Let's show where we need cleansing, where we need healing. Uh, there was a news article this just this morning where a pastor in a church was arrested for child pornography. And this happens every week where multiple Christian men in different states are being arrested and getting caught for this. And and other issues, you know, sexual crimes, um, molesting young women. And so it's not just porn that's a problem. I mean, we're talking about, I mean, we're talking about a big scope here that has infected every level, aren't we? Yes, yes. You think about even to the governmental issues. You know, you think about, I mean, we talked about Epstein for a while, a couple of years ago. Now that's magically disappeared. But this is something that is... It has permeated, the darkness has permeated this because it, like I said, it's the enemy's favorite tool to use because if he can get God's kids bound in shame, alone, isolated, and addicted to something that God created, you know, he's just having a heyday with this. And I believe God says, no, I think he's stepping in right now. And he's stepping in through you and me because we're going to talk about it. We're going to expose the darkness. And that's my passion right now is not only helping people who um, are wounded by this, um, but even, you know, with me, it's it's been a situation where um, I have to be led by the spirit because this this is a huge, like you said, it's a huge stronghold. And so, Julie, let's talk about prayer for a few moments. Um, so with a big, giant stronghold like this and, you know, the top not really wanting, for whatever reason, not wanting to open these things up, how critical is prayer to breaking this open and to being a part of Jesus' work to set captives free? Prayer is where the captives are set free. Prayer is the focus. Prayer, our connection to God is the only thing that is going to break this stronghold, in my firm belief. 
I know that there's people out there who are able to break free without it. I don't see it hold. I believe that connection to God and to get our needs met through him and to find all of those wounds in us that the enemy likes to attach to. He loves to find those points, our sore spots, in other words, and our need for you know belonging, our need for connection, our need for intimacy, our need for um, just him, and our need for God. We were not created to live apart from him. So prayer is the primary and the absolute gateway. We have to have a connection to Jesus if we're going to do any battle. We, we have no authority unless we have authority, unless Jesus gives it to us. So our relationship with him, our connection to him, seeking after him, following hard after him is what's going to set us free. That's what he came to do. Like your intro says, you know, he came to set the captives free. And the enemy doesn't want that, but if we start talking about it, if we start sharing with each other, if we start praying for each other, there's power in our prayers. There's so much power in our prayers. Mm-hmm. It is, um, I've seen some amazing moves of God just in praying. And so, yeah. And you're involved with some intercessors groups, is that right? That's right. Um, God placed me right away, right after the discovery of um, my husband's addiction. He placed me in a group, and it was a school, actually. Well, it was a class at church, and it was called School for Listening Prayer. And it's all about teaching us how to listen, how to pray, how to um, seek God, how to connect with him, you know, cleaning the pipes out. You know, a lot of times we get gunked up and we don't, we can't come to the Father, right? But for whatever reason, we can't see him, we can't under, you know, we we don't hear him. But so we, we cleaned the pipes out. I learned how to do that, connected with some amazing prayer warriors, some people who had been prayer warriors for generations, you know, mm-hmm. for, for, you know, decades anyway. And so he plopped me right in there, which led to some other um, classes that I took and where I l- really learned um, how to talk to God, how to listen to him, how to hear him, how to connect to him, and which also led me to our inner healing prayer ministry at our church, which was a breakthrough for me. Mm. Um, inner healing prayer has been one of the most powerful tools that we've had to deal with all of those lies that we have grown up believing, that we believe about God, about ourselves, about who we are, who God is, and what he wants from us. It's surprising how many people don't understand that God is good, that he's for us, that he isn't standing there with a ruler waiting to beat us over the head when we make mistakes, that he's such a loving father. But we have these wounds from our own dads and from our own upbringing with men and, and in our own wounds from our moms that um, teach us lies, teach us that, that God is not a loving God, that we have to you know, get rid of our ideas about what a true loving father is based on the fact that we've been brought up with people who are wounded. You know, they have their own issues. <clears throat> Let's expand this a little more. Um, so in the last year, we've seen our country go through a lot of trauma and devastation, and the Civil War is getting worse every day. You go on civil, social media and you see Christians tearing each other apart. The government is torn apart. Just earlier this month, we had that 
total disaster where the capital of the country was invaded. I mean, if we can't defend our own capital against our own people, this is, this is you know, I keep hearing people saying silly things like, you know, the country we're going to leave our children, our grandchildren. The country is destroyed now. But where's the sense of urgency? And to me, what we're talking about with the sexual sin in the church and the need for prayer, they're connected because we can't have a spiritual awakening until we face our sin and the sexual stuff is huge and we get on our knees. So let's say that for a moment, Julie, you're the pastor of a church. What do you do? That's a really good question. <laughs> okay, if I were a pastor of a church. <laughs> if you're you a know, listener, don't flip out on me about the woman teaching at church. This is just a <laughs> theoretical question <laughs> that I'm asking a prayer warrior. <laughs> right. You know, we as Christians, we, we don't realize that sometimes the enemy gets into our, even our own theology sometimes with some of that stuff. But um, I think that the biggest thing, you know, is that our connection to God. It goes back to our connection to God, and it goes back to what we believe about God and ourselves. And because when you heal, when you allow Jesus to come in and you allow him to wash you, you allow him to heal you, when you allow him to show you his love, because that's the key. The key, you know, he, he, and he, he prayed himself to God, you know, let us let us be one. Let us be one. And that can't happen if we don't experience love to the very core of our being. And if we're wounded, which we are all in some way wounded, traumatized, you know, we were born into a fallen world. We were born into chaos. But God wants to come in and hover over that chaos and bring his life and his light into it. And so we can't bring that light and life into the world if we don't have it ourselves. So the major thing that I would do as a pastor is I would work on myself. I would get rid of the lies that I was believing. I would stop trying to perform. Mm. I would start, I would stop, you know, I would look at my own heart because that's, that's the key. We have to look in our own hearts. What's going on in our hearts? Why are we loving like God loves are we experiencing that? Do we listen to each other? Do we experience his fruits on a daily basis? And if we don't, let's find out why. Where's the wounds? Where are the problems? Where are, what am I seeking when um, I'm tempted to be angry? I'm tempted to go out and um, cut somebody off in traffic, you know? Am I seeing that person like Jesus does? Am I seeing them and respecting them the way Jesus does? So that was the other thing that I, and I even do it myself now, um, is, you know, my constant prayer is, Father, show me them through your eyes. Let me see that person through your eyes. How do you see them? And that is the start to opening up my heart and saying, okay, you know, Jesus loves that person just as much as he loves me. But guess what? It starts with loving ourselves. It starts with letting him love us. It starts with opening our hearts to his love and his cleansing and letting him fill all those needs. You know, Jesus paid the price. He paid way too high of a price for our sins, for us not to walk in the freedom that he wants. So as a pastor, I would make sure that I'm connected to God, that I'm listening to him, and that I have my own wounds healed. 
Would you have your people praying during your weekend services? Uh, we have prayer teams, and I'm on a prayer team. Um, I would love to see more um, of what we do because I think that that's absolutely vital. We have to be able to come to each other and pray. And there's there's this shyness, this um, fear that comes over people because um, when we were all meeting in person, we would actually be up on the stage and people would have to come up. And so they had to be pretty courageous and bold. But you know what? It's all about what we cho- choices we make. We can either choose to hide and um, live in the chaos and live in the darkness, or we can choose to say, you know what, I'm going to make a step, and I am going to step toward God, and I'm going to ask, and I'm going to reach out for help. And so the people that do come up and reach out for help, you know, it's just that moment where you can be prayed over, where someone else can um, talk to God with you. And there's power in that. There's such power in prayer and listening and hearing. And it's, it's so much fun to connect to the Father's heart. You know, and I just, I just, it gives me a hunger for more. Mm. When I go and uh, speak in churches, I'll ask the pastor if I can break everybody up into small groups of two to share their struggles and then pray for each other. And and that's just, I always love doing that and watching the the light come on in people's faces because sometimes when you're speaking, I'm always watching people's eyes and sometimes they're kind of like, I'm in another Sunday service, but... When you get them engaging and opening up and sharing and then praying for each other, to me, that's there's so much power there. And that's what the early church did. That's right. The early church, um, empowered by the Holy Spirit, they connected to each other. They had small. That's all they had was small group churches, right, at that time. And we need connection. It's vital. We are so much better together. And that means sometimes being bold. That means sometimes being courageous. And asking for help. It took me forever to reach out and ask for help. It was the weirdest thing. I didn't feel like I was worth having someone help me. Mm. You know, sometimes you just feel like, oh, I'm taking up their time. Or, oh, I can't share that. I can't be that vulnerable. And let me tell you, there have been times when I've been really vulnerable and really open. And... I had what I call, what we call a vulnerability hangover the next day. You, right away, that enemy comes in and he says, oh, you shouldn't have said that. Oh, man, you were too honest. Oh, now they know and now they're looking down their nose at you. You know, all these lies and they're just lies and we got to recognize that they're lies. Mm -hmm. And if they are looking down their nose and that's their issue, it's not mine. Well, surveys are showing that 90% of American Christians are isolated, meaning they do not meet with another brother or sister once a week and open their heart up and share and support each other. So what would you say to that 90% right now that are isolated? You know, I'm really sad. I'm sad that there's that many people who are isolated. And so I would just say, you know, reach out, be bold, be courageous. You don't have to do this alone. And Frankly speaking, uh, we, I've heard a lot of stories of people who have tried that, and the church is known as a safe place. So how do you kind of, what do you do at that risk? How do, you do that, how do you do that with wisdom? That's a really good point, and I'm glad you brought it up because 
I have done that where I've been vulnerable with somebody who wasn't a safe person. So you got to find the safe people. And what I've done is I've asked Jesus, I've asked God, I said, please help me find somebody who's safe. And it's been, um, and it's involved wisdom too, because I've had to realize that some people I thought were safe weren't. And so I just kind of pull back from them and I set my boundaries. Boundaries are so vital. You know, I was reading today in, um, I think it was uh, Proverbs, it says, watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. So we need to guard our hearts, right? Not that we put up walls, because walls are just not going to help. You know, we need to guard it with wisdom and mm-hmm. let Jesus be the um, guard of our hearts. I think part of wisdom, too, is we don't dump our whole life story on somebody in the first meeting. We give them the Hansel and Gretel approach, I call you. Just give them a little crumb and see how they deal with it. You give them another little crumb and see how they deal with it. You don't just, you know, use your brain and don't. And when they've earned that trust, then you can give them more of your heart. But we don't give everybody all of our heart the first shot, right? Right, right. <laughs> yeah, that's bitten me in the butt. I've done that a couple of times. <laughs> so that's bitten me in the butt. <laughs> so I've learned, yeah, I'll, I'll test it out a little bit. And, I, and God has brought me um, a group of people who are, just so safe for me and so healthy. So I'm really thankful for that. Well, Julie, thank you for joining us. And uh, thank you for being with us. And we'll see you again next week. Do you want to be free? Blazing Grace is a nonprofit international ministry for the sexually broken and the spouse. Please visit us at blazinggrace.org for information on Mike Janung's books, groups, counseling, or to have Mike speak at your organization. You can email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call our office in Chandler, Arizona at 719-888-5144. Again, visit us at blazinggrace.org. Email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call the office at 719-888-5144.